Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. Welcome back, friends. I have a real treat for you today. I have invited three of my lovely, amazing clients to join me on the podcast. And we are going to have a panel discussion around weight bias, stigma, and judgment. Now, I have talked about weight bias before. If you listen to episode 16, I talked about whether labeling obesity as a disease is fat shaming and a whole conversation around language. In episode 17, I spoke to one of my mentors, Dr. Ali Zentner, about weight bias and her no fat shame movement. What I wanted to focus on today is the lived experience of women with their doctors. So the conversation is really going to be about weight bias in medicine, in the healthcare community. And I'm hoping that many, many physicians are going to listen to this, nurse practitioners, other healthcare providers will listen, because I believe that as a medical community, we need to do better. We need to do better in serving our patients with compassion and kindness. We need to move away from shaming and blaming and judgment. And we also need to do better in providing evidence-based treatment for obesity as a medical condition instead of repeating that same old eat less food, exercise more message that really doesn't help anybody. And I want to be clear that I know many of my physician colleagues provide such wonderful care for their patients living with obesity. And the purpose of today is not to disrespect physicians. We're not doing any physician bashing or anything like that. But we do have research that shows about 70% of people living with obesity have experienced stigma from their healthcare provider. And many physicians just simply don't know how to talk about weight with their patients. So today is about learning. It's about learning together because I'm also learning. How do we, as physicians, empower our patients? How do we start the conversation around weight without it feeling judgmental or shaming? Okay, so without further delay, let me welcome my three panelists. Good morning, ladies. So great to have you. All right, so I'm going to invite each of you to briefly introduce yourselves, and then perhaps we can share one or two experiences you've had in your past without naming any names, obviously, about fat shaming or weight bias from your doctor. So Mallory, do you want to start us off? Yeah, of course. So my name is Mallory. I'm in my 20s, and I'm an advertising professional. Where I experienced weight bias was actually with my family doctor when I was growing up. I am quite tall. I'm six foot two, and I was growing tall, but I also carried a lot of weight when I was younger. I've only ever experienced kind of weight bias from male doctors, I will say. I found a lot of women doctors, they approach it like in a better talked about way than I feel that males do because women can obviously understand the experience of other women. Mm -hmm. So when I was younger, I had a doctor who essentially every time I would go in would tell me that I was kind of gaining more weight and asked me like, what's your exercising plan? Like, are you exercising a lot? And there was times where I was actively exercising and he would still make comments about my weight. I didn't necessarily think it was bad at the time when I was like 12 or 13, but as I kind of got older and heard different healthcare professionals talk about weight differently, I definitely understood it as an issue. It made me feel honestly kind of shitty when I was younger because I knew I was a little heavier, but I didn't want my doctor to kind of talk about it that way and say like, oh, are you exercising? And almost think like I wasn't doing anything for it. Even like when I was at my like fittest and I was exercising a lot, it was still that kind of conversation. But are you exercising? Like, do you want to change your diet? And it was never like ways to help me. It was always just kind of ways to almost shame me, I think a little bit. Just like, oh, kind of, are you exercising at all? Like, I think it was very interesting how he kind of did his practice. 
I even saw it with my mom too, where his only kind of thing to tell her was to go on the Mediterranean diet. And I've heard him tell her that for years and it was never anything productive. It was never anything other than like the Mediterranean diet and things that would improve her health. But he never actually like saw it as something that could actually be a bigger issue that could stem or could actually be supported by a different form of healthcare. It wasn't until I was older and I kind of switched doctors after kind of not liking the the treatment he was giving me, where I actually realized kind of how weight would impact me moving forward and how I actually got introduced to HMC. So I definitely experienced it when I was younger and I found that it really impacted me as an adult because I definitely was less trusting of medical professionals when it was around weight. Yeah. And I think that what you bring up with your last point of being less trusting of medical professionals, the ACTION trial was this trial that looked at people living with obesity and speaking to their healthcare providers and what was their experience of getting appropriate treatment for elevated weight for obesity. And there are many, many people report that they're less inclined to follow up with their family doctor. They are less inclined to follow through with recommendations from their doctor if that kind of trust is broken. So can you speak to that a little bit more? Just that impact of maybe not having trust in the healthcare community? Yeah, hundred percent. I was experiencing a little bit of medical issues last year regarding kind of like women's health and like my periods. And they consistently told me like, you're holding a lot of weight in your kind of like hip area. They never talked about any of the causes other than that. And they were always very like, it's because of the weight in your hips. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I knew there was a bigger problem going on. So the fact that they would bring up weight all the time, I just, like, that's not the only issue. Yeah. So I found that they focused on the weight and it just made me really frustrated because I knew there was a problem that I was trying to solve and they were constantly bringing it back to the weight. And I was struggling and I was going kind of up in weight and kind of down in weight and then it would still be there. So it basically made me kind of mistrust them because that was the only thing they centered on and they never actually looked at the fuller scope of something to find out what was going on. And it took them a long time to finally kind of listen to me and say like, this is actually an issue and it's not necessarily from your weight. Mm. It's from your genetic imbalance, which is why I've kind of really appreciated how HMC has approached weight because it's not always just weight. That's the issue. It could be a lot of other things. And I think Mm -hmm. So many healthcare professionals are set on just weight and that's the only issue, but there could be so many other issues that they could be missing just because they're focused on it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely one of the ways I've seen weight bias kind of manifest itself in the medical community is that the weight is the only thing that is seen, right? And it's like, everything would be fixed if you just addressed your weight and like everything you're coming in for, it's because of your weight, right? And it really, what I've heard from a lot of patients is that's very shaming, right? It's like, I'm not heard. I'm not seen as a person. I'm just seen because of this one thing. Yeah. And I think it can lead a lot of things misdiagnosed as well, because if you're yeah. only on the weight and nothing else, like you might not be solving the actual problem at hand and it might be making it worse by making the person feel like they can't actually trust the diagnosis they're getting. That's why I really liked how all the approach to like what you're teaching through the high metabolic clinic has been, it's not all about the weight. Weight is one component of your entire health journey. And I think that's what's made the difference. Okay. Thank you for sharing. I think many, many people can relate to your experience. So thanks, Mallory. All right, Shafina, love to hear from you as well. Thanks, Dr. Hai. So my name is Shafina. I was actually born and raised in Calgary and moved to Toronto almost 14 years ago. I met a Toronto native who refused to move out west. So (laughs) here we are. 
Um, I have a five-year-old son and an eight-year-old fur baby. And I actually met Dr. High when I was referred to the High Metabolic Clinic early last year, probably February. And I've been working with all the physicians there and my dietitian, Catherine, for the last year. And I'm going to be continuing on for the coming year. You know, during that time period, I think I've learned so many things about myself, just like Mallory. And I have lost a lot of weight, which has been amazing. But I think the more important part is that I've been able to really like understand so many triggers, my relationship with food, negative thought patterns, emotions that lead to food, you know, and just generally being more comfortable in my body. And I think, you know, we talk about wins all the time at the clinic. And I think some of the wins that I've had using my body in ways that I've never would have thought before. So I've done things that I haven't done in years, like going ice skating. And a few weeks ago, my son's really getting into rock climbing. So I tried it with him. I would have Amazing. never, ever, ever in my life done it until now. So those have definitely been big parts of my journey. It's been really great. And I think you talked about this podcast. I wanted to participate because I think more recently, similar to Mallory, I think I've had that weight bias from physicians my whole life. The idea you're overweight, you're overweight, you should lose weight, but never any solutions really provided. You know, I kind of just took it in strike. So I was like, okay, it is what it is. And I think, but more recently I felt I had an experience with a specialist who, you know, we've been going through fertility challenges to have a second child. And I think fertility in itself is emotional and devastating and frustrating. And the fertility specialist, you know, we asked her we're moving into a new part of the journey. So we asked her like, what is a reason that, you know, this cannot be successful? And her only response to me was, well, your weight. And this is after like I've lost over 50 pounds. And that was her only response to me. And mm. that was it. Yeah. You know, she talked about high BMI and, you know, these are the things that could lead to an unsuccessful transfer, unsuccessful pregnancy. And I think... I felt it so much more. One, because I felt so defeated. Like I was feeling so proud of the work that I'd done in the Absolutely. whole year. Yeah. You know, and that was her response to me. And I think the other part is like, well, I already can't control what's happening with our fertility struggles. And now you're almost giving me something that I now know is not all fully in my control. And you're also not giving me anything to work with. Like, what am I supposed to do with that information? And I think it's because of what I've been learning at the clinic that it was almost more hurtful because I felt it was a bias. It wasn't inclusive. It wasn't considerate. There was no way to move forward from it. Thank you for bringing that up because I know that this is this is a really vulnerable area, right? We see yeah. a lot of women who are going through fertility treatments and often referred to our clinic by their fertility provider, their ob -GYN. I would love, do you have any thoughts on how should a fertility specialist address the topic when it's balancing that, yeah, you know what, there is science that shows that elevated BMI correlates with more difficulty in fertility treatment and, and less successful pregnancy. So it's like we're balancing that there are medical facts, but how, we, how do we do that in a way that, that sees the person that celebrates like, you've lost 50 pounds, you have successfully treated the medical condition that you are dealing with, right? Like you have successfully treated obesity. That's, that's amazing. But sometimes that gets missed. I would love if you have any thoughts about how you would have preferred that conversation to go to feel different. I wish that she had provided, I know like that can't be 
the only thing that mm-hmm. would impact the transfer or the, you yeah. know, having a successful pregnancy. So one, I wish that she had given us a more complete picture of yeah. everything that's going on in my body, right? It's not just the one thing, it's a full yeah. system that's impacting mm-hmm. it. And the other pieces that I guess I wish she would have acknowledged though, you know, because she had been part of the initial journey. So she knew where I was at when I first came to see her and where I was now. So I wish she had acknowledged the journey that I had been on and how that in itself would help lead to a successful pregnancy. Because I think like that in itself is something positive. And I think just the idea is I wish she would have asked more questions, maybe come up with ideas or solutions of other things that were perhaps in our control or that she had ideas for, you know, just more about opening a discussion with us as opposed to saying, Shafina, your weight is still an issue and it could be unsuccessful because of you or because of your weight. Yeah. I think also from the medical community that we actually just need to do better, right? Like there's still discrimination where many women are that come to me, they've been declined fertility treatment based on their weight, right? And it's like, they can't even access this thing that should be should be a right, right? For every woman who wants to have a baby. The other area that I, where I see this is patients who are declined orthopedic surgery because they need, they need a knee replacement and they're told like, you need to lose 50 pounds before you're considered. I think that as a medical community, we need to be better at being inclusive and improve our skills in helping people of all different body sizes and, you know, all different BMIs and delivering better medical care instead of it always going back to like, well, no, you just need to do this. And then maybe I'll consider you for fertility treatment or for surgery. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, Mallory's story, and I've heard it from other physicians throughout my life. So just and even like, I feel like it's almost some, when you say the weight is an issue or we're not going to do this because of the weight, it shuts so many doors for mm. that person, the patient, you know, they feel like there's like, where do you turn to once you've kind of been told that? I mean, there are some physicians who are amazing and they refer us to places like you, at least that's an option. There yes. needs to be another option other than saying your weight is an issue. Either you do something about it or this is not happening. I mean, how hard is it in that when you're in that position, you're so vulnerable when you're Mm -hmm. sitting in front of a physician, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's something wrong. That's why you're there. So you're already so vulnerable. And then when you're told something like, you know, lose weight, well, they don't know if you've been trying to lose weight your whole life. They don't know if you've been yo-yo dieting. They don't know if you have other, you know, maybe other psychological issues that are impact. They don't, there's no concept of that if you're not opening right. conversation and you're saying yeah. it's the weight or re- referring back to BMI, which is such an outdated measure. I w- wish it wasn't about closing the door on someone who's already vulnerable because that can then lead to other issues or never getting help for what you actually need help for. It is such a good point. I think that one of my biggest messages when I am doing CME events for other physicians is that telling someone that they should lose weight is not an intervention, right? Like there are physicians who think like, oh yeah, my prescription is to tell them to lose weight. Done. I've done my job. Like I've told, and it's like, you haven't told them anything that they haven't already been working on, right? Like telling them to eat less, exercise more is completely disempowering, right? And that's where as a medical community, now that we know better and we understand how complex obesity is and there's genetics and there's physiology and there's psychology and there's medications we're prescribing that cause weight gain, right? There's all of these different things that it have nothing to do with a person's willpower 
power to buckle down and just do it. And so as a medical community, I think, as you said, when there's a discussion around weight, it needs to be opening up and followed up with, and here's how we can help you, right? To, to manage it in the best way possible. The other thing that I wanted to say is to your point of, if there's no discussion around it, it's like, I wonder if this fertility specialist even knew that you had already lost 50 pounds and that you had been like, you've been so successful. Right. And so I think that is really important too. I recently had a patient of mine and she had done very, very well as well, like lost much more than the expected percentage of weight from starting weight. But every time she went to see one of her specialists, the, the nephrologist would be like, you know, if you only lost weight, your kidney function would improve. And then they would go see the orthopedic surgeon. If you only lost weight, your osteoarthritis pain would improve. And every single doctor just kept telling this person how she needed to lose more weight. And then she'd come to me so frustrated and I'm like pulling my hair out because I'm, I'm trying to help her see how successful she's been. And this is successful weight management. Like, you're doing amazing. And so there's that mixed messaging when we don't kind of take into consideration the patient in context and like having those discussions about where they've already come from and how and know how they're doing overall. So thanks for bringing that up. Did you have a comment you wanted to respond? Yeah, no, I was just going to say like, Eve, I remember telling you about this story like a couple months ago and it's like, it's hurtful, right? Like I was in tears and I think mm-hmm. like that's part of it too, because then now I'm so hesitant to make another appointment with that physician, right. even though I know that I need to. And actually, to be honest, I made an appointment with her, one of her fellows instead, because I felt like, I don't feel like she understood what we needed. And mm-hmm. I think that's the really sad part is that you're not getting the care at the end of the yeah. day that you need or, or deserve really. Yeah. You nailed it, right? Like you're not getting the care that you deserve. And that that really is the heartbreaking part. That's why I wanted to have this conversation. And I want doctors to hear this, that you know, there, there is a really tremendous impact of patients not wanting to return for follow-up because no one wants to walk into a room where you're just going to feel shamed or judged and disempowered. So thanks for opening up about that, Shafina. All right, Marlene, love to hear from you. Thank you. Good morning. Well, I'm Marlene. I'm a wife, a mother, a sister, and a caregiver. I consider myself creative, social, and I'm a critical thinker. I question everything. So sometimes to the disdain of my family. I just turned 50. So I have a lot of experience with weight bias because I've been considered overweight my entire life. I did grow up in a dysfunctional home and learned to use food to process my emotions from a very young age. I've steadily put on weight over the years to the point of severe obesity. As a result of ongoing traumas and health repercussions due to being overweight, I suffer from general anxiety disorder, periods of depression, and high blood pressure and diabetes. From my early teens, I've been living with poor body image, low self-esteem, and feelings of shame and embarrassment. Although I have had several experiences with weight bias, I would say that my main one would be my main GP. He was someone I greatly respected and trusted. He modeled a healthy lifestyle and encouraged his patients to do the same. He regularly reminded me that I was overweight and that the dangers that this caused for my health. He would tell me to just cut out the junk food and get more active, like just do this or just do that. It was that simple. He was doing it. If he could do it, you know, it Mm. seemed like every doctor visit became about that my problem was due to my unhealthy lifestyle and how I could avoid further health problems by just choosing to change my lifestyle. I felt reprimanded. I would go away from these appointments with this new resolve that the next time I saw him, he would see that I did respect his advice and I lost weight. I know he truly cared about me and my health. 
Of course, I didn't lose the weight. And so I would feel so ashamed. My shame became so strong that I would have so much anxiety and panic about the next time I had to see him for anything. One time in particular, I felt his absolute disgust or completely being dismissed was when I brought up the concern that I had severe varicose veins from a very early age. It's mostly genetic, but of course, it's also to do with the fact that my job was always standing. I was overweight. So he had said to me, oh, we're not even going to talk about that until you lose a significant amount of weight. Like he just dismissed me. I went on to have a few blood clots that needed some serious medical attention. And I had to be like going to the hospital for, and yet I still was never treated like, oh, this is something we need to address. Regardless of your weight, this is something we need to address, you know? So I, was, I just felt disgusted with myself and I felt that everyone else was too. Yeah, it wasn't until he retired, I went to a new family doctor. She was extremely gentle and kind. But again, at every diabetic appointment, it was, so what are you doing to get out, to get active? So what kind of, you know, things are you doing to improve your lifestyle? You know, she was, she was doing what she knew how to do, right? It wasn't until someone who was covering for her, I was at a, a diabetic appointment and I said to him, I said, yes, yes, I know. I need to eat less and move more. And he looked at me and stopped and said, no, you don't. That's not what it's all about. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand what he meant. And that's when he referred me to the High Betamola Clinic. And it, it's been eye-opening. It's been absolutely eye-opening to come to a complete understanding that I have a serious problem. This is why I got here. It's not because I'm lazy. It's not because mm-hmm. I'm not a hard worker. Because I am, I'm a very hard worker and I'm liable and... I see things through. So it wasn't because I was weak and didn't have willpower. But unfortunately, that was suggested to me so many times. The suggestions to improve my health was so simple. So why couldn't I just do them? Why couldn't I just follow through? I felt that I was sabotaging myself and I spent decades wondering why. Why did I do this? The experience and the traumas left me you know, feeling really discouraged and ashamed. I felt doomed to continue to decline in health. It was really hard to have a sense of self-worth when you're battling all of these thoughts and emotions. The feelings of failure only increased my anxiety and depression and hopelessness and contributed to such poor body image. These thoughts and feelings held me back from pursuing so much and enjoying so much in life. But now that's going to end. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, okay, I'm kind of tearing up listening to that, Marlene. Thank you for just being so honest about Mm, your experience and the impact that it's had on you. You're not alone in this. Mm. Like, unfortunately, Mm. your story, I've heard it echoed by so many people Mm. who've gone through the same trauma and the same experience. And I think that there is weight bias, like so bias, there's external bias. And then there's also the internal bias that you kind of pick up, right? Like you were talking about- I believed it. Yeah, you just thought it was your fault that like somehow you were lazy. I don't know if it was you or another client, but like, I remember having a conversation where this woman was like, yeah, I must just be that I'm lazy. I'm like, are you though? Like, are you lazy? And she was like, no, I'm not a lazy person. So, but that belief just gets internalized. Like, yeah, must just be my willpower because I've been told this a billion times. And so I love hearing one educated doctor who understood that obesity is more complex and was able to be like, hey, hold on. Actually, you've just never been treated. Let's get you treated, right? Let's get you help. Let's get you the support. Let's get you the evidence-based treatment for what you're dealing with. I think that that actually kind of is a nice segue to what I want to hear from you. So Marlene, maybe you start. How do you think your family doctor should discuss weight or should they not? Do you want this to be something that your family doctor addresses? How do they have that conversation? Well, absolutely, because it is their responsibility. I mean, let's start with the fact that we do know 
science shows that carrying a lot of extra weight does contribute to health issues. So let's not ignore that. And then we don't expect them to ignore that. So I absolutely feel like they have to address it. But I feel like my suggestions would be that they're dealing with people with obesity, that they have empathy for us, even though they don't agree with our unhealthy choices, and that they have to try to have understanding that obese people did not get this way because of laziness. We are likely battling something very deep and we use food to manage our emotions. And then thirdly, my recommendation would be to offer programs and support to help to counsel us and to help us to learn the skills that we need to battle food addiction, just as they would someone who has alcohol or drug addiction and to learn how to overcome the obstacles that face us. I think that's really great. So, I mean, I will say that when I'm teaching family doctors about effective treatment of obesity, my suggestion is usually to well, actually this is from Obesity Canada, start with asking, do you have any concerns about your weight or your health that you'd like to talk about? And so kind of asking permission is usually the first step that's recommended by Obesity Canada guidelines. And and sometimes it's okay if the patient's not ready, right? Like they're not ready to talk about it right now. But if you can, can just ask permission, you create that safe space. And then I think one of the most important messages that physicians need to be saying to patients is, it is not your fault. The way we used to think about weight has now been proven to be wrong. We now understand that obesity is a complex chronic medical condition based in genetics, strongly influenced by various hormones and neurotransmitters. And there's psychology and there's all these other factors coming together, including our food environment, right? And all of these different factors come into play that cause weight dysregulation on the level of the brain, right? The hypothalamus. And I think just by helping people understand it, it's not just willpower, right? Like it doesn't even come down to this being a moral failure or a character flaw or anything like that. Like there's so many other complex factors that can really break off some of the stigma. What do you, any of you, I'll open it up to all three of you, any comments? Mallory, go ahead. I definitely really liked what you said about kind of opening up that space because I don't think I've ever had doctors like try to open up or try to actually ask me if I felt comfortable with my waiter if I had concerns because I think I was always so focused on like what they would say and like how they always wanted to me to be more active like that they didn't ever look into like what was going on like I experienced a trauma and that led to me gaining more weight like I experienced a lot of different I broke one of my feet and then it led me to gaining more weight because I couldn't walk properly and I think there was a lot of other things that contributed to it that I was never asked about and I think if they even just like open up the conversation, and allow people to actually talk about, hey, there's actually a lot more going on. Like, how is my mental state? Or is there something I'm doing as a coping mechanism? And even just kind of looking into it further, like maybe suggesting support mentally or support in other ways, like the program at High Metabolic Clinic, like just anything other than just exercise and eat different because I different people have different conditions and I think we're all different. And Mm -hmm. one thing that will work for one person isn't going to work for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think they need to acknowledge the complexity and it's not a one size fits all solution for everybody. Shafina, did you want to add anything? Yeah. And I mean, some of the things that I was thinking about too, is just really logistical things. So like not starting every appointment with having you get on a scale One, it's so stressful to get on a scale in like a doctor's office, right? And, you know, like you're wearing shoes and you may have to pee and, you know, all those things that could like make that number go up 
brings a lot of anxiety. Mm. And I think it also sets the tone for whatever appointment is to come next. You know, like that's the one thing you're thinking about then. And that's what you feel they're thinking about is that number that came up on the scale. And I think, you know, just echoing Mallory, like opening up that conversation, understanding the complexity, because I, you know, I have this memory of going to a doctor and every time leaving with a piece of paper with Canada's food guide on it. Like that's supposed to help me. Like what am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with that piece of paper? You know, so this idea of going beyond that, asking questions and also then saying like, if they don't have the answer, then being able to refer you to somebody who can help you, I think is a big piece of it and being honest about that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think to the credit of family doctors, I think legitimately a lot of them don't even know how to help. So first step is having all physicians, all healthcare providers first understand that obesity is a real medical condition, right? And we're still doing work to have healthcare providers believe that, right? Like that's that's where we're at. It's getting a lot better. But then the second step is sometimes there's so much to the treatment, right? Because we're addressing physiology and we're addressing psychology and we're addressing all these other medical factors. And so I think there are limitations, right? When your family doctor is also looking after all of these other things that they just, quite frankly, don't have the time to be diving into it all necessarily. But to your point, they should know where they can refer because there are a number of many more obesity clinics, for sure in Ontario. I know other provinces are a little bit under-resourced, but Ontario, we have many more obesity clinics available now. And so I think, yes, doctors need to know where they can get evidence-based treatment for their patients. Marlene, did you want to add anything? I really like the new guidelines about how to approach a patient in the first place. I really love that it's full of respect. I love some of the suggestions that Mallory had about, let's address you know the other issues that obviously go along with it in terms of mental and things. And I also want to comment on Shafina that absolutely every every visit, regardless what you're there for, if you're there for allergies, you 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 get on the scale, and it's like that scale is always off from what you have at home. So it's it, it's it's always really disappointing. You already go in with such a like ugh, like such a broken spirit, like knowing what's coming. You know, it's it's coming. Here we go. You know, it's it's not fun. It's certainly not fun. That's really interesting because now I'm thinking kind of some of the protocols in family physician offices. And isn't it often that you'll first see the nurse, the nurse brings you in, they do blood pressure and they do weight. It's like, it's just part of the, you know, it's part of their vitals kind of thing. And it's not even questioned really. And I know when we were still seeing patients in person in our clinic two years ago, we always asked permission and we're a weight management clinic, right? So maybe you'd expect more so that we'd weigh every time. But what we really learned is, you know what? Sometimes patients are going to come to us and they don't want to step on the scale and that is totally okay. So we're always going to ask permission. Like, are you comfortable being weighed today? Would you like to be weighed today? Totally okay if you would prefer not to, right? So I think asking permission, I think that's a really great point. Like not just starting every appointment by weighing. I just had another point to like that permission-based approach because I think, and it kind of brings back to Shafina's point when she was talking about her story about being vulnerable. I think in those medical appointments, like I think there should be a level of respect that's always established regardless of what you're talking about. And I think with weight, definitely because it's not like an easy topic for everyone. And I think it's really sensitive. So I really like the respect-based approach because I think any level of medical requires a decency of respect and like if you don't trust the person or if it's a new specialist and they don't respect or they immediately kind of try to stigmatize you I think it really sets the bar for how your treatments can go so establishing respect I think in any medical sense should be the norm for everybody 
Let's talk about language. So I would love to hear what language, Marlene, you used the word obesity. I heard that. There are body positivity groups who are really trying to own and reclaim the word fat and identify with being a fat female and being really proud of that. For other people, that word is hugely triggering. For some people, the word obesity is really triggering. You know, some medical groups have advocated for the word adiposity related chronic disease. I would love to hear what word do you connect with? And I don't think there's one right answer for everyone because different people are going to be triggered by different things. But I would just love to hear from each of you. How do you think it should be discussed? And weight is the other option, just using that word. Marlene, do you want to start? I react to both fat and obesity. I suppose Mm -hmm. fat is something that right from the earliest children would call me that in the schoolyard. So I suppose that's an uglier word. Obesity is more of a medical term, but it also has kind of like disgust around it. So I suppose weight would be the healthiest way to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Weight, because it's it, it's a fact. It's it's either up or down. It's a number, mm-hmm. but it is, mm-hmm. it's a fact and it's not mm-hmm. shaming. It's just your weight. Thanks. Shafina, what do you think? You know, I, I mean, I echo with Marlene, like the idea of fat and obese also I find to be quite you know, stressful and triggering, obviously, because of previous experiences with it. You know, I mean, I think weight is a fine term, but I wonder too about like, if it's just going beyond that, right? Because just like we said, like obesity is so much more than the number and it's so much more than just, you know, what goes going in in your body and the physical activity, right? So maybe it's more about just well-being, right? Because there's psychologically things that are going on and like that can impact you know, weight, but also other parts of your body. So I feel like it needs to be able to open up the conversation to be more inclusive of all those other pieces. I think it needs to go beyond weight too, because that then is focused on the number. And like, that's one of the things I've learned is like just to go so far beyond that number because there's so much more going on. I would say maybe well-being. I don't, I don't know how mm-hmm. it's not as clear, but I feel it's just more inclusive. So well put. Mallory? I resonate with what both of you said. I love the well-being. I think that really encapsulates like overall, like that includes mental, that includes physical. I definitely agree that fat and obese have both been words that I've seen in media as negative. I also grew up with kids calling me fat uh, and it definitely contributed to my kind of low self-esteem as a child. And it was kind of a word that was just kind of thrown around in a very negative way. I'm on TikTok. I'm active on that platform and I see people kind of taking back fat. And I really like that, how they're kind of taking it back from a negative into a positive light. I definitely think kind of similar to what Marlena said about obese and obesity as kind of medical terms. I definitely hear it more in a negative than a positive sense. But I think honestly, I really like that well-being term and I might stick with that because it really just encapsulates how there's just so much more into the puzzle than what you see from the number on the scale. So well put. I I love that. I think well-being really does touch upon all aspects and that it takes it so far beyond the number, the effect of gravity on your body to how are you doing as a person, right? And how's your life going and emotionally, physically, psychologically, relationally, all of that. That's, That's really beautiful. Okay. In the interest of time, any final thoughts? So if there are doctors listening to this, what would you want them to know, to be able to support their patients in the best way possible. And I'll start with you, Mallory, in case you need to log off. Thank you. I think if there's any medical professionals listening who want to talk to people about weight, go in with respect at the core. 
it's not a topic that I think people can openly talk about sometimes and there is a lot of sensitivity around it. I think go in with respect and go in with the notion of there's more to it than just the number on the scale. And if someone has a problem, maybe look more into it than just the weight because it could do wonders for them both mentally and physically. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Shafina. You know, the idea of opening up the conversation with questions, having a discussion and really trying to understand that patient's journey with weight or well-being and really being able to offer more than just one option. So, you know, maybe not a solution, but, you know, here's a spectrum of things that we can do together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be so much more empowering for the patient, right? Marlene. I suppose my final words would be empathy. Just just try to be, you know, compassionate and understanding. We are so much more than the weight or the fat that surrounds our body and our yeah. core. I understand that doctors want to help us to be healthier. And if we're struggling with some kind of health concern and that it's likely due to the weight, the solution is not to reprimand us or shame us. We need to get to the bottom of that together in order to solve the problem instead of just medicating it. Yeah. Shame, blame, and judgment never lead to positive outcomes ever, right? We need to have a more empathic approach. Thank you all. This was really powerful. I know that it took a lot of courage to come on here to share openly today. So I want to thank you sincerely for your willingness. I know lots of people are going to benefit from hearing your voices today. I think we need to have these conversations. We need to understand more. We need to do better. So thank you so much. Have a great week, everyone. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.